We are talking all about Traverse City. Uh, we're talking prospects and we are talking the future of the Blue Jackets today as we continue our conversation with Jeff Svoboda, Jackets Insider, all about what the, Black, the Blue Jackets could turn into. That's coming up today on Locked on Blue Jackets. Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you news, stories, uh, excitement, rants, yelling, all of the above, and more about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube. Uh, Trying to hit 250 subscribers by the time the regular season starts, and uh, I've already gained a bunch this week. So super, super, super appreciative of everyone who subscribes, who tunes in, who listens, who watches. Uh, I appreciate all of you. Uh, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online is where the game starts, and uh, where this episode is going to start is a little bit more Denton Matejchuk talk. Uh, like I said at the top of the episode, we're continuing uh, the conversation that I had with Jeff Svoboda earlier this week. Uh, we're talking all things Blue Jackets, and uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Denton Matejchuk. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some other kind of unsung heroes of Traverse City. We're going to be talking about Jordan Demay. We're going to be talking about just a bunch of prospects that uh, had really, really good seasons in, uh, or really, really good tournaments, I should say, in Traverse City this year. Uh, so I'll just get right into it. Yeah, for sure. Compare you, you still talking about uh, like Cal McCarr versus Charlie McAvoy always reminded me a little bit of like, so when I was doing, again, the prospect stuff, I talked to a bunch of guys and they were like, well, Shane Wright's probably going to, he projects as like a Patrice Bergeron type guy as opposed to a quote-unquote star and I was like man if you asked me if I wanted Patrice Bergeron on my team I would be like yes obviously you know yeah. if you asked if yeah. I if you were like hey do you want Charlie McAvoy in the Blue Jackets I'd be like yes absolutely yeah. you know so is it is it Kale McCarr good maybe not but if he turns as if he's going to be as good as Charlie McAvoy like that feels that feels like an easy win in terms yeah. of, of Blue Jackets drafting you know <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely agree. So yeah, it, it just because I mean, Kale McCarr, there's no doubt it, he's the best in the world right now. Oh, yeah. defense. But um, it, it's maybe you know stylistically, you, you kind of see him that way. But yeah, if if this ends up being Charlie McAvoy, there's you know the, it, won't, it won't be a return to sender situation. They'll be quite happy with that. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanna I wanna talk a few about uh, a couple more prospects, but I uh, got too excited about about Travis City and jumped. Um, I want to talk about the departure of Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, because I understand that this this is a business, and you know someone had to go, and it was going to be it was pro- always probably going to be Bjorkstrand. Um, however, I am still very sad about it because he was one of my favorite players. Um, I think he was maybe the the MVP of the Blue Jackets for the past few seasons, and just kind of flew under the radar about it. Obviously, if you turned around and were like, "Hey, you can have Johnny Gaudreau, or you can have Oliver Bjorkstrand, or you can have Patrick Lano, or you can have Oliver Bjorkstrand," like those are pretty easy questions to answer, I think. But how much is this team gonna miss Bjorkstrand on the ice and off the ice? 
Yeah, it's it's the tough part of the business. And Yarmo Kekalainen said it was you know one of the toughest things he had to do was call Oliver and say he was traded. Um, you know, and over the years getting to know Oliver and and being around him, um, you know, a great guy. You know, you didn't hear a bad word about Oliver Bjorkstrand when he got traded. He's you know a very nice guy. Everyone loved being around him. He's a heck of a hockey player. Led the team in goals last year, as you said, maybe the MVP of the last couple of years. So yeah, it, it's tough, and they will miss him. Um, but you know, I say you. You kind of answered that question with what you said. If you'd have, at the end of the day, they essentially traded Oliver Bjorkstrand for Johnny Gaudreau and two draft picks. And I think you make that trade 100 times out of 100. Uh, and so as difficult as it is to make that kind of decision, um, you know, they got the most they could out of the situation because they had to make a salary cap dump. And I know some people say, why not you know, another guy? And, I mean, the answer is you saw the, the cap market this year. You saw where it was. This was probably the best they could do. Um, in that situation. So it's, it's frustrating and it's tough. And, you know, the salary cap is designed so that, you know, teams just can't stockpile. You know, you look back at the, the wings and the abs in the you know, year 2000, where they both had like 10 hall of famers on the ice, you know, cause they had so much more money than everybody else. You know, the salary cap is designed. So you just don't have that type of situation, but it also, it, it's unfortunate that it puts you in situations where, um, you end up having to trade guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand, you know, guys who aren't superstars, but they, you know, they're beloved in the locker room. They're huge, you know, in the fan base, you know, they love the city they're in. Um, and so to have to make a decision like that, it's sort of the unfortunate byproduct of the way that the cap is structured. And, um, you know, you could, I don't know what better way there is to do it. There's probably not. Um, but it just is unfortunate that sometimes those types of things have to happen. So, you know, they'll miss him. He's a great player. Um, but, you know, if you look at that trade, just in that vacuum, you say your trend for Gaudreau and two picks. You have to make it. That's just that's the way it is. So you know, I I'll be sad to not see him around on a daily basis, but uh, that's that's I guess part of the deal. There's always going to be changes uh, in sports, so that, it's just unfortunate the way it works out. Yeah, I mean the good news is that the Blue Jackets only have to play Seattle twice a season, so he isn't going to make them regret that trade too often. But yeah. I saw a lot of people being like, "Well, I would have traded Gus Nyquist, or I would have traded Jacob Voracek," and I'm like. I feel like those were things that, that Kakalainen had explored. Like, he didn't immediately sign line A and pick up the phone like, hey, who wants Oliver Bjorkstrand? You know, yeah. I feel like, like, do you know, did he try to like test the market on Gus Nyquist and guys like Voracek, or was this just a, he kind of understood, well, Bjorkstrand's got to be the one that's got to go. I think he did. Uh, I think he te did test the market. Yeah, I mean, you do. It's always funny that there is that, like, like when Max Domi gets traded at the end of last year. It's like you only get a th you only get a third round pick from Max Domi. Like, well, I guarantee you, if there was a first round pick on the table, they would have taken that deal. But there wasn't, and Max Domi was going to be an unrestricted free agent who just unfortunately did not fit here, uh, the way that the roster is being constructed. So you get what you can get out of him, and if that's you know the third round pick is Aiden Hershuk, uh, the guy they got. Uh, the Boston College defenseman they got in that trade with Carolina, um, you, you know, yeah, yeah, you'd love to have, you know, traded, you know, made a different deal that was better for you, but you take the best deal you have. Um, you know, I think they value Gus Nyquist veteran leadership. I think they would say the same for Jake Voracek. You know, Oliver Warren A last year and was a leader, but, you know, they value all three of those guys' leadership. So, you know, it's kind of even from that standpoint. Um, and so it, it just kind of is what it is. Another thing too, that hasn't really been talked about in that regard is that, you know, Oliver's contract while team friendly was still like five and a half million dollars over the next five years. And, and you kind of, as you look at the bills that are going to come due for some of these younger players, you're going to have to sign down the road, the, the cylinders and the Johnsons, you know, they're, those entry level deals are going to be expiring, um, in the next couple of seasons. And, and even, you know, going into next year, some of the guys you have to resign, uh, you know, 
you, that there's flexibility now gained by having traded Oliver Bjorkstrand's contract. And it was a great contract, I think, from a team standpoint. But still, that's $5 million off the books that, that you now have free to assign some of these younger guys you also really like. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was it was the best deal for the franchise. And it's just unfortunate that, that it had to be made. But that's the cost of doing business these days. Coming up in a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Jeff. But first, I've got to tell you all about Bet Online because uh, Bet Online is your number one source for football betting information this season. Uh, you can find the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in depth articles, analysis uh, on every game that you can find for every sport that you can think of. And as always, they remain your continued source for all your sports wagering information uh, with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there so if you want to put some money on kent johnson winning the calder this season betonline.net is the place to do that it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events including things like mlb mma boxing golf uh race cars f1 nascar of course hockey is uh where you can find Bet online. So uh, head to betonline.net on your laptop or mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Because bet online is where the game starts. Yeah. In terms of obviously the, the cap, and I, when the Blue Jackets signed uh, Gabranson, I was like, okay, well, there's $4 million. They're probably done for the day because they still need to re sign Line A and potentially add another guy. If they know that they're getting Johnny Gaudreau at the end of the day, do you think they still make that signing for Eric Branson? Yes, I think they do. And, and it's hard to answer that because I think Eric Branson, you know, it's going to kind of talk about publicly that, you know, he was one of the factors in Johnny Gaudreau ending up in Columbus. Uh, so you can't necessarily untangle that. But I also think, yes, probably, because if you look at what they needed from a season ago, I mean, it's very clear they needed to get bigger, tougher, more veteran on defense uh, that they just had to. You watch those games last year, and it had to happen. And so, oh yeah, they were children. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> at the end of the day, you had to get better there. You and Eric Branson was the guy they looked at. And did they overpay Eric Branson? I mean, maybe in a vacuum, yes. And even if, they, but even if they overpaid him by a million dollars, like that wasn't going to be the difference between keeping Oliver Bjorkstrand and trading Oliver Bjorkstrand. And it was, you know, and you you, you do a little bit of an overpayment for things you need. Um, especially the defenseman market, that's kind of where it was. You know, there was some other defensemen who probably were overvalued and signed too, but if everyone's doing it, you do kind of have to do it if that's what you need. Um, so, yeah, I think they do make that deal. You know, they looked at the roster and they looked where they were and they needed the things that Erica Branson provides. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, you know it's, it's sort of unfair that Erica Branson's getting um, the, the – was kind of been prejudged by some people in the fan base coming in because of, of this Johnny Gaudreau thing. First of all, like I said, he was part of this whole thing coming together. And second of all, uh, you know, it, it's just sort of a little bit unfair because it's a deal you have to make at the end of the day. So, um, you know, I, I still think, yeah, they probably uh, signed someone like Eric Branson if Johnny Gaudreau happens or Johnny Gaudreau doesn't happen. So uh, my answer to that would be yes. Yeah, I was kind of, and I'm, you know, full full disclosure, I was one of those people being like, man, I can't believe they're paying $4 million for the next four years for this guy. I don't think they need him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then obviously Gaudreau signed, and then it came out that Gabranson, I think, was it Gabranson talked to Derek Dossett, who then talked to Rick Nash, who then came into and uh, talked to John McLean and like, hey, Gabranson's got a friend that wants to play in Columbus. And obviously it turned out that friend is Johnny Gaudreau. And then yeah. I thought about it and I was like, Man, $13 million, because that's essentially $13.5 million for Goudreau and Gabranson. Like, I feel like it kind of, 
it kind of balances out, you know, if, if it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with, with that split, you know? Yeah. I know. I would tend to agree with that. And, and time will tell, you know, I don't think they expect Erica Branson to come in and be, you know, a Norris Trophy defenseman. I, nothing along those lines. And again, yeah, they probably, if you're looking at analytics or whatever it might be, do they overpay him by a million dollars a year? Well, maybe, but like, that's one, that's like, that's one point, whatever percent of your salary cap. Uh, you know, it doesn't change the Bjorkstrand stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes you have to pay premium price for something you really feel like you needed to do. You know, they want them to come in, you know, they, they want, they're at a stage of their development where they needed another veteran back there. And especially the veteran that type plays the type of game that he plays. So, you know, you can sit here and quibble about dollar amounts and things like that. But, you know, do I think it's the world's biggest waste of money? I do not. But, and I hope that Dirk and Branson plays well. And the fans love him because, you know, having met him over the last couple of days, he seems like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, teammates love him. Media love him. Fans love him. You know, he, he's a great guy to have around. Um, and, you know, will this contract, you know, in the fourth year of the contract, they might be, you know, it might be like, a, okay, $4 million for a 35-year-old defenseman or whatever he, I forget exactly what age he'll be at that point. Well, it'll be tough, but you know what? You, you make the signings you have to make in the moment you have to make them. Um, and so I hope it works out by and large for Erica Branson because he seems like a really good guy who people like. And, you know, if the fan base gets a chance, I think they're going to like him too. Yeah. In a minute, I've got a little bit more of my conversation with Jeff as we talk uh, a little bit more about some defensive depth for the Blue Jackets prospect pool. That's going up in a minute on Locked On Blue Jackets. Yeah. The thing that, the, and, and this is kind of something that I talked about with, um, uh, my friend Jack, who hosts the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, we talked about the Seth Jones contract and how he's never going to live up to that contract, despite the fact that Seth Jones is a perfectly good defenseman and was very good for the Blackhawks this year. All everyone talks about is that $9.5 million contract. And I think maybe some of that is coming across on Gabranson as well. Of He could be he could play as well as he can possibly play. And I think people are still going to be like, well, who cares? He's making $4 million. That's $2.5 million too many or whatever. So I do kind of, I feel bad for the guy because like you say, he's by all accounts, great guy. Everyone loves him um, and will probably be a, a pretty good presence on the team. But I think a lot of people are going to be like, well, he's making too much money and therefore is entirely worthless, which is not really how how this league works or how this game works. Yeah. And that's another thing with the salary cap is it does you know make that a thing where you know, if a guy is not, if, if your fans feel like a guy is underperforming, it's like, oh, well, he's, he's killing us because of the salary cap. He's taking up too much space. So, you know, again, I understand why it is what it is. And I'm, you know, I think at the end of the day, the NHL is a better league with a salary cap because it has led to, you know, more parity and everybody having a chance. But, um, th- you know, there's there's uh, always going to be consequences and side effects of something like that happening too. So I hope it works out for Eric's sake and for the Blue Jackets' sake because, like I said, yeah, he's, you know, he's a great guy to have around and, and everyone likes him. And, you know, I just hope that it doesn't become a thing where he is kind of the, the whipping boy, as they say, you know, when these things kind of go wrong. Um, like like Seth is probably going to be very like a lightning rod in Chicago just because of how big that contract is and where that franchise is probably going to be for the next three to four years, if not longer. So, yeah, you, I, you know, you hope it doesn't become one of those types of situations. So. Yeah, I will say for in terms of parity, as someone who lives in England and is subjected to the Premier League uh, for soccer, where teams just kind of do what they want and pay whoever they want as much money, and then there's like three teams every year that are good and no one else really gets to look in. Like, I am a big fan of the way that like North American sports is structured with the salary cap and everything. So as much as it has uh, affected me as a fan, 
as someone who kind of watches this sport and covers this sport, I'm like, no, this is the best, the best possible way. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, we, we've covered a couple of, of guys from Traverse City. You've just come back from there. Uh, Blue Jackets did pretty well, uh, as they, they usually do for some reason. The Blue Jackets just always seem to do well in Traverse City. Who did you notice, like, that had... Obviously, Kent Johnson had a, a pretty good, a very good, actually, Travis City. Uh, Kirill Marchenko, I thought, was was good as well. Was there anyone that you noticed that maybe hasn't had the the kind of the the fanfare and the attention that has? Who had a good Travis City that maybe isn't being talked about? I guess is the the short way to answer ask that question. Yeah, I would say one name that comes to mind is Jet Greaves, uh, the goaltender who had been there a season ago, played in Cleveland this past season. Um, I, his game just, he just, it's funny to me. I, I always think of it in kind of this, um, vein of Traverse city because last year Traverse was kind of the first time we got to know him. And since then, you know, he signs with the blue jackets. He plays a, a ton of AHL minutes. Um, and you know, it has become a real prospect in that time. And so I, I can, I tend to think of him in that lens that, you know, seeing him this year at Traverse city versus a year ago, um, just seems like a completely different guy. You know, he's gone from, someone who was just getting his feet wet in the pro game and, and, you know, hoping to impress to someone that I think really believes he has a potential NHL future. And I think the Blue Jackets think he has a potential NHL future. So, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily superstardom, but he's good enough to be an NHL goalie. Um, and on top of that, I, I love the guy. He's a super nice guy. He's fascinating um, off of the ice as well um, with his interests. He's his very, 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 varied interests, <laughs> which is hard to say. Um, so I, he's a likable guy. I really hope that he's a, someone that, you know, is able to make it and have some success at the NHL level because I think he will deserve it. Um, and so I thought, but just in Traverse City, he looked in command. You know, he looked like a, someone who had a, a very good presence out there, someone who understands his game and how to play it. Uh, so I like that. And then I've always liked the two, uh, like Czechoslovakian, even though that's no longer a country, uh, defensemen that they've taken in kind of the third round in 2020 and 2021, that being Samuel Kanashko. Um, out of Slovakia, and Stanislav Svozil out of uh, the Czech Republic. Um, both of those guys are, are guys, I think, that that uh, are just kind of sneak under the radar because they weren't first-round picks. But, you know, I, I think Kanashko plays a really good all-around game and has a ton of international experience. Um, Svozil, I love his poise on the puck. I, I think he's an attacking defenseman um, that I, that's going to translate, I think, to the highest level. Um, I know Jarmo Kekalainen talked about those guys in some interviews that he thought those guys played very well, but I, I kind of noticed that as well. So um, I, I will kind of steal Jarmo's thunder a little bit and say that I, I also think those two guys are guys that, that look like, you know, they're not the first-round picks of the Matejchuks or the Juraceks or the Kuhlmans, but I think there's NHL hockey in both of those guys at some point. Yeah, I I really like Tozel at the um... – Travis City, he's a guy that I've kind of been watching over the uh, the last year or so as the, after the Blue Jackets drafted him. So yeah, he's he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on this season as well because I do think he's there's there's big things in his future, which is super exciting. Um, and that's kind of all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow we will be uh, finishing our preview with Jeff as we finally get into expectations this season, uh, what the Blue Jackets could do. Uh, what the Metropolitan Division looks like, and, of course, could Kent Johnson win the Calder? That's uh, all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, once again, thank you for making it your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms. We're over on YouTube, so uh, 
whether you watch, listen, tune in religiously, or just once every so often, I appreciate you. If you want to hit subscribe on YouTube, it helps me out massively. And uh, it means that you get notifications every time there's a new episode. So uh, it's a win-win situation for both of us, really. And uh, I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jacket. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.